was a roller coaster week for Toronto FC as they kicked off their 2021 MLS campaign. Massive highs of eliminating Club Leon in the CONCACAF Champions League and, of course, the lows of losing to rival CF Montreal in their MLS opener. We'll talk about both games ahead on this edition of Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. We'll also address some pressing matters <laughs> See what I did <laughs> and preview this weekend's clash with the Vancouver Whitecaps. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and speaking of the Caps, we'll be joined in about 15 minutes or so by a man who scored in their inaugural game for them. Um, as well as spend time with Toronto FC and the Canadian men's national team. Terry Dunfield will be our guest on this week's show, and I could not be more excited to talk to him about all things TFC. But first, as always, the main man, Jeffrey P. Nasker, Michael Singh. It's been an insane week in life, in soccer circles. How are you guys doing this week? Man, I can't believe that. I think the last time we did this show in particular, TFC didn't even beat Club Leon yet. If yeah, I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it feels like forever ago, doesn't it? But that being said, like I'm I'm looking forward to this. We have a lot to talk about, and I'm super excited to talk to Terry as well. Just the word "super" right now gives me hives. Can we avoid the word <laughs> "super" in any connotation? I know it's not on the rundown, and we're not going to talk about it. But let's try awesome, rad, brilliant. Any of those, <laughs> any of those are a good sub. I think "super" is off the table today. So that's a good show. Good show. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's let's start on a positive note here because you know we can use some positivity right now in the soccer world, and let's talk about Toronto FC beating Club Leon because. You know, as much as we're disappointed that they started the season in the way they did, that's a massive result for them, of course, beating the Mexican champions 3-2 on aggregate. Um, they're moving on to pl- play against Cruz Azul. That'll happen next week, so we'll have a nice preview show for you guys ahead of that game, potentially at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. But what a fantastic performance from Toronto FC from start to finish. I think... You know, again, seeing their lineup and again, seeing, you know, they were even they had even more injuries from the week before. There was a lot of concern going into that match. But instead of sitting back and instead of, you know, defending the the lead on aggregate they had, it was very impressive to see Toronto FC come out in that first half, really put the gears to Club Leon, who didn't really have an answer, did they? No, and it's kind of fitting that where we are talking about Club Leon before we move on to this weekend, because it does serve as sort of a humble reminder of, hey, this this club still did accomplish a, a significant feat with midweek. Um, and in terms of that, that Club Leon match, like I think you pointed this out on Twitter, Mitch, like they were stubborn. Club Leon was mm-hmm. very stubborn to sort of adjust to what Toronto FC mm-hmm. was offering there. Uh, maybe that is a bit of credit to Toronto FC uh, keeping things on lock in terms of the game tape. Uh, Club Leon was really knowing what to expect, so they went in playing their game. But still, I was surprised to, to see Club Leon not really change their their mentality, change their their game, game plan whatsoever. whatsoever. Um, but credit to Toronto FC, credit to Toronto FC's young guns and, and their will to, to you know, battle and, and get that result. Uh, I, I read some scouting reports and, and watched some some webcasts, so I wasn't necessarily that excited that Club Leon didn't adapt tactically because I had heard mentioned several times uh, that that might be their their Achilles heel that they just don't have it in them. They sort of they sort of you know have the same game plan and, and run out the same kind of system, and uh, they just try and brute force their way through games sometimes. So maybe that was really good tactics on on Chris Armas's part. Yeah, and it could be uh, like there could be a bigger test, you know, this upcoming Tuesday. It could be the real or next Tuesday. It could be the real mm. test when they take on Cruz Azul, who's currently first in, in Liga MX right now. So maybe Club Leon, who was what eighth place when Toronto FC were facing them, maybe yeah, they actually were. Right maybe they actually were having a down year, and maybe they were trying to, you know, figure things out. So. I don't want they to were off any- the back of three three league wins. I don't. I'm I'm not doing Liga MX fans' job for them, man. That was a full strength team aside from Campbell, and we soundly beat them. And we should celebrate it for the victory that it was. It was at altitude. It was preseason. It was all the things that we usually uh, uh, have stacked in the losers' lament when we get our clocks cleaned by these guys. And it didn't. It didn't affect us in any way, shape, and form. So I am going to. I'm going to celebrate it. You know. It, it Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You should. You should. They should celebrate that one. It was well deserved. It's not just one leg. It's two legs. They did mm-hmm. the job in Mexico, so I don't want to take anything away from them. But I just, I 
let's see what happens on next Tuesday because that will be a bigger test. Absolutely. Because um, their their next test that they fared, which I'm sure we'll get into shortly, was against Montreal, and that didn't go so well. So I think that it's almost like a clean slate now heading into this this quarterfinal match. I, when you say clean slate, I, I take a tiny bit of issue just because now there's tape. Everybody's got tape. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate the importance of, of hitting Leon uh, with the surprise attack, but I also don't want to ignore it. Um, you know, we, we need to see, uh, and we said this on our post game show, we need to see now how Toronto works when they not they don't necessarily have the element of surprise anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great yeah. plug there, Jeff. By the way, we did launch a <laughs> uh, Waking the Red weekly post game show, so we're excited about that. You know, after every TFC match this season, every at least every MLS match is we'll be going live about 30, 45 minutes after the match, and we're going to try and break down everything that happened. Obviously, a lot of it will be reactionary, knee jerk takes, but hey, the more content, the better. TFC live, right? <laughs> I was yeah, impressed, absolutely. man. I was I I really enjoyed that. It felt like uh, it felt like I was talking to two KJ disciples. I did not expect that level of tactical news uh, for the post game show. So you know, while I was slipping through my uh, my screen caps and my mute videos where I accidentally had the cursor recorded, uh, you know, I was I was I was very very impressed. I think that there's a there's a there's a cool vibe, at least in episode one that that I wasn't expecting, and so. Long may, long may it continue. And I hope Will Dunn's talking about this. He says, hook it to my veins. I'm sure he's talking <laughs> about the podcast. I'm sure no, he's, he's talking, he's talking about the, uh, the, the social media post from TFC earlier today, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, you know, as, as much as we, we want to dwell on the positives, there was the, the start to the MLS season for Toronto FC against CF Montreal um, in Fort Lauderdale. They got behind early and they, they just – kind of looked off the pace from for the entire 90 minutes some some bright moments but you know too little too late at the mm-hmm. at the end of the match um you guys obviously have broken down this game in full over in the post game show but you know with with a couple of days to think about it now what are what are kind of your takeaways from this match go ahead oh, uh, if Schaff had scored in the 6 minute it would have been a totally different game mm-hmm. and he was very very close so uh, the scorched earth takes the TFC's broken takes. Uh, miss me with those. Uh, this this game was a lot closer than we thought it was. Uh, even even knee jerk reaction. Um, you know, Luke Singh had a howler, but how many times have our our you know how how many times did Seba have a howler? Come on, guys! Like it's no, okay it, it to have happens. a howler sometimes. Yeah, it happens for absolutely. Sure. And I want to, instead of us talking about it again on our show, I want to actually mm-hmm. give some credit to Ryan Lindsay of Wake in the Red, who had a fantastic article today. And he, he broke down that, I guess, that loss and took away like three major talking points from it. So I do highly recommend you check out that article. It is a deep dive into it. And he has some great tactical analysis. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really do recommend reading that article. Um, and I guess the biggest takeaway for me, now that I've had some time to sit on it, I still am scratching my head over that starting 11. Yep. I'm still mm-hmm. scratching my head at the fact that there was no rotation there. Granted, there were a lot of guys out, so it might have been tough to rotate some pieces. That being said, there was no changes at all to the starting mm-hmm. 11 for midweek. I said this on the podcast, but we're not trying to win the MLS you know, supporter shield this 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 week with first Montreal. We need mm-hmm. to see some more rotation there. Where is Jaden Nelson? What is happening with Jaden Nelson? Nelson? Why can't he yeah. get some, some minutes here? Uh, why can't he get a look? Because there's definitely room for, for rotation. And I hope that doesn't come back to bite him. I hope that that doesn't wear the team down a little bit because yeah. obviously that is a concern with Armis's high-pressing, high-energy style of play and high-energy style of training sessions as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, this is also uh, another thing with just about any tactical style, but also the high press is getting down early gets you in trouble, right? Because then the opposition doesn't have to take the same kind of risks that they would have to on the ball that allows you to, you know, force those crucial turnovers with the high press. So, you know, allowing those two goals early, obviously was not helpful to Toronto FC at all in terms of what they wanted to do in that game. And yeah, you mentioned it. They looked tired. I mean, we were talking about, and a huge part of it was the camera angle because obviously the, 
Hobley own game at uh, <laughs> at uh, Wide World of Sports was you know a bit of a a bit of an error narrower focus, but the field just <laughs> looked so huge, so and, big. And I don't think like that wasn't entirely because of the overhead angle. It was also mm-hmm. just because. Uh, they found ways early and often to break Toronto FC's press and, you know, it made it look like Toronto FC was playing incredibly narrow that entire match. Yeah. When you're playing, with a single, when, when you're playing with a single pivot uh, at the back there, like Ralph Preso was, and he mm-hmm. pushes up sometimes that gap between your center backs and your central midfielders gets way too big. And Mahalovic, if I can still get his name right, um, I think you're, I think yeah. you're doing Mahalovic. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, he exploited that space. He played the number ten area right between the gaps of the center backs and their holding midfielders, um, and that's why he he looked great out there. Not to take anything away from him, he had a fantastic game, but TFC didn't really make it difficult on him. I think Montreal mm-hmm. sort of found the perfect formation to counteract what TFC was throwing at the midfield, which is that almost. I don't. It was a diamond at first, and then they switched to a flat four. Um, but regardless, the space behind Michael Bradley and Ralph Priest that was was far t- was exploited Acres. far too often. Acres and of space, yeah. Michael Bradley got exposed himself a little bit when he when we looked at him backtracking a bunch. Like he, his pace was not there to cover up that ground, especially when Ralph Priest gets caught high or gets caught turning the ball over or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. again, growing pains. This is first MLS match for Chris Armas. Um, I'm just interested to see how this team rotates its squad going forward because we do have a congested schedule coming up. Yep. yep. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of squad rotation, I think this might be a good time to get into the Michael Singh injury report and give us some yeah. updates on what's I totally cut you off, man. Video. Sorry, no, sorry that's, but no, I was you, so you I, knew, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we I guess we have a new intro video to this. I guess mm-hmm. great segment. Let's call it. I wish <laughs> we could talk about better things. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess first thing I'll mention for, for injury wise for this team is uh, I do expect Jonathan Osorio to be back. I think he was available for before last match. I think Chris Armas said that. Uh, however, he had to serve his one-game suspension for kicking out at a player against Nashville. He got a yellow card in that play, but the league reviewed it and deemed that it was worthy of a suspension. So that's why Jonathan Osorio wasn't able to play last game. I do expect him to be fully back into the mix. Um, question marks around you know, the status of Alejandro Pozuelo and Josie Altidore. Again, we I think TFC, their focus right now is that CONCACAF Champions League. So I would be surprised to see either player um get in versus vancouver unless they're 100 percent ready and they just want to get some some minutes under the belt and shake the cobwebs off a little bit you know um ayahuacanola he i think he's ready he wasn't listed on the injury report i think they were being a little precautious against montreal and i i think he'll be back in some sort of capacity against vancouver um mm-hmm. And I guess we'll get into some of the negative news now. And that was this really surprising that Erickson Gallardo, he had to undergo surgery for an injury on his right groin. Um, so he's out four to six weeks. And that's really disappointing because he looked like not, I don't want to give him too much credit because it was like 20 minutes, but he looked a little bit of a different player. He looked a little bit more re-energized and it looked like he was going to get a real shot under Chris Armas here. Clearly, uh, you know, the injury happens. He tried to even fight through it, but maybe that made it a little bit worse. And he's going to be sidelined for the next little bit. Um, moving on to, I'll move on to Julian Dunn. Um, I don't have the exact name of the injury off by hand, but he's going to be out for the for a little bit of a longer term injury. He'll miss at least the next five MLS matches, um, which is probably why TFC signed Luke Singh as sort of some reassurance there. Uh, so... Let, let's hope that all is well with Julian. Um, I don't want to speculate too much about how the condition, because I just don't know too much about it. And mm-hmm. Char, as well, is under that same boat. He's going to miss at least the next five MLS matches, but that's something we knew. Uh, the club was never going to rush Achara back after LCL and ACL surgery uh, last July. So he'll he'll be eased into the mix coming into the summer. Um, Chris Mavinga, again, is, is a question mark as well. And I think that pretty much sums it up right now. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty much a long segment. The whole roster, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. Well, well, Chris Armas talked about this, and he was pretty candid with, with his response about why Toronto FC are dealing with so many injuries, right? Um, he admitted his style of play is very, very demanding. Uh, I think on the Come On You Reds podcast, which one of his co-hosts, Terry Dunfield, will come on shortly for us. Um, Chris Armas uh, was asked, I guess, by Michael, Brad- Michael Bradley after one of the practices, where would you rate that practice in terms of intensity from 1 to 10? And Chris turned to him and said it was about an eight. And Michael Bradley's response was, well, for me, that was like a 25. So <laughs> that just gives you, you know, Michael Bradley, we know the workhorse that Michael Bradley is, the engine mm-hmm. that he is. So that gives you some insight into how intense some of those training sessions could be. Um, it's going to take some adjustments. And along the way, yeah, they're going to pick up some knocks. Um, we saw it, we've seen this early on. And hopefully it just, you know, when the team gets fitter, when the team, build some endurance under them, some some stamina that they can sustain some of these injuries and, and you know, push through as opposed to taking some setbacks. Yeah, it sounds like Terry's here, so we'll bring him on momentarily here. But um yeah, certainly certainly will be good to get some of those players back, I think, um, you know, tactically and and just overall they've they've been missing. Um uh, Sorio certainly, Mavinga as well have have been some big misses here. So huge. Um, now joined by former Toronto FC midfielder, came men's national team, TFC Academy coach, co-host of come on. He reads <laughs> wears a lot of hats, Mr. Terry Dunfield. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks What's Terry. What's up, Mitch, Mike, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, yeah, Terry, absolutely. we're, we're looking forward to this. Obviously you have a lot of history here with both Vancouver and Toronto, uh, with the matchup looking ahead to the weekend and, as Mitch said, you wear a lot of hats right now, so it's our pleasure to have you on. No, no, just uh, loving living in the Canadian soccer world right now. What, what have we been <laughs> What have I missed? Man, <laughs> anything and everything. Um, yeah, yeah, just just setting the table. Just setting the table here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what a what an up and down week for Toronto FC this past week. You know, they have the big highs of eliminating Club Leon from the Champions League, and then a bit of a disappointing start to the MLS season for them. Um, what were your takes on on the you know the week as a whole? Ooh, right in the deep end, hey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, no I softballs here. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm sure that's what the young guys are thinking too. Our, our young players, there's there's really no in between sometimes in football and. And I think we've seen that. Having said that, uh, I don't know what you guys think, but I think I can give the guys a pass. And uh, I, I think I can mitigate uh, the performance that we saw against Montreal. I just think it was a real quick turnover. Our squad was thin. It's 2 o'clock in the Florida sun. And you're playing against this, your rivals that are prepared for just you, a little bit like us versus mm-hmm. Milan. And uh, I, I think the way Montreal stacked up against us on the day – be so quick in transition it just exposed you know maybe where we were at physically mentally coming down from that high and just some of the areas in our system that that we need to work on but big picture uh super excited by those performances in Lyon and uh, I think I saw enough against Montreal especially when it got hard that the guy stuck with the system and the data the stats at halftime showed actually we weren't that far away it was just a couple of you know maybe mistakes were the difference Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it there, like coming down for that midweek tie to to the weekend. Every MLS club that competed in Champions League didn't pick up a victory this week. Toronto FC weren't alone in that regard. So, um, as you said, Terry, I think we can all agree that Toronto FC kind of deserves a pass from this weekend. Um, but moving on, I wanted to, of course, talk about some of the young guns and specifically the, the Montreal game. We saw Jaquil Marcherudi. He picked up his, his first career MLS assist. Uh, I was reading a great article, by the way, from Josh Cloak of The Athletic. Great, great read on Jaquil Marsharudi. I highly recommend you go check that out. And Terry, I think you you added some commentary in that feature as well. But I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about Jaquil because you're a TFC Academy coach, and it seems like you and him have this sort of unspoken relationship. What can you tell us about Jaquil that makes him so special? Ooh, good one. I'd say all the coaches in the academy have uh, great relationships with the players. I wouldn't just say it's it's myself, but uh, I I think you can even look at. I know a lot of 
the hard work was done by Richie Larea, but just Jack realizing in that moment to play a forward pass where many other players might just, just secure possession to get that assist mm. led to the goal is is indicative of how he plays and who he is as a person that when when it's on, he'll take risks. And, and I think he's got the personality uh, and also the technique to, to back up what he sees. Uh, and, and when it's not on and the picture's difficult in front of him, then he'll keep the ball and uh, in a long-winded way, I'm saying he makes great decisions. He's got mm-hmm. top technique, and uh, and this is a big one for young players. He's, he's he'll take a chance. He'll take a risk, and uh, more times than not, he'll execute. Cool. Uh, just to backtrack, I, I said this at the outset, but I think we were. I agree with you. We were a lot closer in that Montreal game than than we'd like to believe. And if Schaffelberg had uh, had scored in the sixth minute, I think oh, it would have been an entirely different game. So, you know, when a game when a game turns on on a moment like that, you know, despite the scoreline, I think I think you got to You can't give it a mulligan, but as close to a mulligan as possible. All right, Terry, I've uh, I've put some gray matter into this question, so I hope you appreciate. It. I love living um, in the gray world. <laughs> I would I would uh, if if Coach Terry could visit Player Terry for only five minutes, when would you visit yourself, and what would you say to yourself? Ooh, good one. That's a great question. <laughs> How many moments am I allowed to pick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, ta- the, the first one that came to your head. I mean, unless unless now you have a better idea. Okay, maybe before I go, Jeff, what would be your moment? What would you go back to tell Jeff? Oh, oh we got to break some, some unfortunate <laughs> Terry. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, in between the touch lines? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't I, know if that's I, a I thing. Play, yeah, I played soccer when I was six, and I picked daisies, and pretty much the only reason I did it was so I could go to McDonald's afterwards. So I don't necessarily know if, uh, if, if there's a soccer question in there. Were, you, were you the kid that ran the wrong way and shot on, like, the, your own goal? Because that happens all the time. In, in- I, I, I might have written novels in my head. I was doing just about everything on the pitch but play actual soccer. So it, was, it was pretty fantastic. I like the McDonald's motivation. I think that takes it all back to, to our childhood a little bit. Probably the one, there's, there's probably two moments uh, when I asked to leave Manchester City with three years left on my contract to just get out into the world and become a pro. Uh, I, yeah, just lost faith in the system a little bit. I, I trust the hmm. system and uh, maybe wait for my opportunity. Maybe things might be a little bit different. Uh, and then, just those couple of minutes before getting injured, it was it was a nothing injury. It's a little bit similar to what Victor Vasquez had. I dislocated my knee playing in the football league, and that was a real tough one to come back from. I don't think mm-hmm. you're ever the same player after an injury like that. Yeah, that that that's definitely tough to hear. And but you were you were uh, you came back, and you know you still managed to put together quite a successful career afterwards. So we definitely do commend you for that. Thanks. Very Mike. admirable, of course. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask a, a little bit as well from your coaching and playing experience about the the, the new high press Toronto is trying to um, work in here, and in terms of deploying it, especially this season with the fixture congestion and you know the heat that we've already mentioned. What are kind of the keys from both the player and and coach perspective to making sure that's sustainable and they can roll out a system like that every week? Ooh, I, I think the first one is buy-in. And uh, I think everyone has to go, okay, this is the way we're going to go forward. We're, we're pretty much going to the other side of the spectrum from what we had with Greg Vanny. And uh, it's going to be more vertical. It's going to be quick. It's going to lead to turnovers, but that's okay. We're going to be connected. It's going to be fast. We need energy. And these are the kind of words that I associate with where we're going. And I, I think the guys have to buy into it. And I'd say through preseason, and it's been a difficult one in the first three games, I think that box is is, is ticked. And I think your leader, Michael Bradley, you've you just seen that in his game, and it's infectious amongst the, the squad. I think number two now, you have the right pieces for it. And I think that this is where the academy players uh, will see themselves play a pretty big role. I think you need youthfulness. You need energy. Um, a little bit of no fear at times, uh, no bad golf swing. And, you, you know, you're just ready to take this on. And uh, it will become difficult at times, but keep trusting in it. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great football discussion, but this is sort of where the game's going. It's, it's a little bit quicker, 
a little bit more counter-pressing, uh, a little bit less of really manipulating the opposition. Yeah, yeah. I think huge for the buy-in that they were able to get that result against Club Leon. Right now, everyone <laughs> believes that they can do it against the, one of the best teams in CONCACAF. So there, that definitely helps, uh, helps Chris Armas drive home his points a little more. Yeah, of course. We're uh, we're joined by Terry Dunfield, former uh, TFC midfielder, former Vancouver Whitecap, and of course, as Mitch pointed out at the top, aware of many hats right now. One of those hats, Terry, I, I enjoyed watching you on the One Soccer broadcast as you know you were doing your color commentary, and I caught an interesting tidbit from you about this being the golden generation of you know that we're living in in terms of Toronto FC Academy products and. And the conveyor belt that this this like, this team should be, I guess, uh, you know, putting forth. I guess I want to ask about that sort of conveyor belt, and I don't want to steal Jeff's question right now. <laughs> You're gonna. You're totally going to. <laughs> I, I might. I might. <laughs> I have like six questions, so just steal that question. Just do it. Just do it, Mike. I know you want to. Well, I want to ask just. Where is the academy right now in terms of, you know, the, the global stage? How would you compare that? Ooh, uh, first, first, I'd say uh, we're spoiled in, in Ontario, in the GTA, in Toronto in particular. We have just such an array of talent, uh, various backgrounds, a great demographic. Like, it's, we're just spoiled with how many good young soccer players we have and it's not just TFC's academy, it's our, our work, it's all the work within the community from our partnership clubs and uh, the clubs developing the players that then maybe come into our academy. So it's, uh, first I wanna say it's a real collective effort. Um, look at Ralph Prizzo, for example, he didn't join our academy till 14, spent time at North Toronto and um, there, there's definitely some layers to his development. Um, so first, it, in less words, we just have so much quality in Ontario. Number two, the resources of MLSE, our training ground is phenomenal. Uh, I'd say the experience of Michael Bradley, Josie Elstador, Jonathan Osorio now, and, and some of the legacy of guys coming through is important to help really uh, help develop our young players. I, I think that's important. Um, and, and Greg Vanny, um, and it's our methodology is changing a little bit with Chris Armist now. Um, really gave us the tools to 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 push the limits of, of player development. Mm -hmm. And I guess sort of building off that, if I look back at the, at the past year, even going back to 2020, Toronto FC have made eight acquisitions, I believe. Six of those acquisitions, just off the top of my head, have been homegrown signings. What does that say about the direction that this club's heading? Ooh, I love it. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> Ali uh, Curtis and the salary cap out too. But it's uh, it, it's so cool. We we felt it bubbling for a little while now, and I heard Bill Manning say this morning, nothing's been given to our kids. Each each player pathway's been a little bit different, and they've really had to earn uh, that opportunity with Greg Vanny or now Chris Armis. And uh, I, I think it's coming together nice. We, we talk about Luke Singh, Noble, Ralph, Shaft, Jack. Jaden Nelson, Peruza. I had to write the list down. And, and there's 12, more. <laughs> 12, 12 names yeah. right now on the first team roster who are homegrown players. Yeah, and, and also different. And uh, it, they're, they're not just making up the roster. I think uh, what we saw in the first couple of games, these guys can, can con contribute and uh, really make a difference. And I think probably if I'm one of those young guys, I remember coming up to the first team when I was young, I was kind of on my own there and it was about surviving and hanging and trying to win that shirt and keep it. Whereas now these guys kind of have each other to bounce ideas off, push each other. Uh, so I, I think the ingredients is, is set up for success, sustained success too. That must be a great thing to have in your toolkit, your experience of moving uh, away to the UK on your own at 15 in your position as an academy coach. I mean, you must you must have to draw on, on those memories a lot when you're dealing with these young guns. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it was a, it, I, I'm lucky, I was fortunate that there wasn't an MLS when, when I was young. So if you mm -hmm. want a career, it, everything led to Europe and to, to come through such a good academy like Manchester City was, again, you're just living day to day when you're in it, but thinking back now, it, 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 it's great. and. 
um, yeah, I, I think to, that's just part, partly why I got into coaching was to share some of my experiences and that's awesome. The young guys coming through, but it's not just me. We've got Danny Dicchio, you know, he, he came from that environment. We've got coaches that come from teaching backgrounds, which is important too. So mm-hmm. our Academy kids are, are getting a little bit of everything. That's awesome. That wasn't my question though. Uh, my question is, I'm going to do two questions because Mike stole my question. The first question is, uh, what's one thing that you missed the most from early MLS? Like if, if MLS 3.8 or wherever we're at right now had to pick one thing from early MLS, please don't say the shootouts, but what, what would it be? <laughs> Ooh, good question. Uh, I was lucky when I came in because everything had started to change already. Uh, and, and, and we already knew that the, the TFC had everything to be special. And, and I guess I would have loved to have been part of the TFC that won all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. It was, it was, there were some tough times and, uh, mm. you know, I'm not going to say we laid the foundations, but it's. Yes, uh, you did. I, I'd say it was, I, I would have loved to play or been near that TFC midfield, right? Of, uh, <laughs> what we've got right now and, and what it was for the last I don't know, four or five seasons. Cheers. And then part two. Part part two. You've been around the club long enough that I can ask my contractually obligated question. Favorite TFC kit, least favorite TFC kit. Ooh. Uh they were all pretty snug. The the Adidas <laughs> kit. I don't know. I was always worried about getting in though. Um, <laughs> I, I always loved playing in red. I I'd always be tackling or fighting someone. So when I played in white, it would always look a mess. So any, <laughs> anything in red uh, would be my mm-hmm. answer. I guess my one regret was that uh, run we had in the Champions League in 2012, where we got to the semifinals against Santos Laguna. We were up a couple away goals that, that we couldn't mm-hmm. quite find a way to, to get over the line there. Maybe that kind of gnaws away at me a little bit. Must, but you know, you were there. So (laughs) the guys have put it right since with all our uh, scouts in Mexico, I guess, since. (laughs) Well, before we let you go, Terry, the Toronto FC, of course, have a big game this coming weekend against your former club, the Vancouver Whitecaps. What are your thoughts on this game? I mean, a a big game for both sides, Vancouver trying to to prove they're, you know, starting a new era here. And, and of course, Toronto FC kind of similar, um, you know, two clubs going in, uh, hoping to go in the same direction. Yeah, good question. What's your take on Vancouver? Did you did you watch our first game? I did. I mean, it, it was a pretty exciting start. Same kind of thing as Montreal, Toronto, right? Like the Portland coming off the Champions League. You're not fully sure if they're they're up to their full standards, but you know, I thought they looked re-energized. Uh, the Caicedo looks like he's going to be a really good ad and. You know, Cavallini being able to, to hit the ground running and not have that stop start to the season, he looks, you know, as dangerous as ever. So I, I think there'll be a tough match. And obviously with Toronto FC's, you know, back line being potentially a little young in, in this match, uh, Cavallini could, could be an issue, I think. Yeah, what a, what a challenge for Luke Singh if he if he yeah. on the side. Follow-up Honduran International Kyoto. But uh, <laughs> right? I, I agree with you, Mitch. Uh I, th- I thought it. I don't know if you guys would agree. I'd say Vancouver were definitely as good, or, or maybe better than Portland, which is a pretty good barometer. Uh, they looked a difficult team um, to play against. It's probably the biggest compliment I could give them. There's no softness to them. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really see a, a weak link in the side, and, and I think that they're playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and, and they've added some some quality to the side. I'd like to home inside in that Rainer role. Uh, just gives them a little bit more athleticism, gives Cavallini some legs. Uh, I thought young Canadian Baldissimo, he's the player that makes the Whitecaps tick in possession, nice passing range. So if he kind of drops into that back line, Bradley-esque last year, uh, mm-hmm. just have to be careful of his, uh, his range and he could maybe hurt us. But um, having said all that, every time we've played, Vancouver, we've caused some problems. Just kind of overloading their midfield too. I think I think we can come into the game confidently, and uh, I think a week off for our first team right now will feel like a month. So it's, uh, <laughs> and I think both Vancouver and, and Toronto have done a great job of 
uh, taking on feedback or learnings from last year. It's so difficult playing away from home. The fact that Vancouver and from what I can hear, families arriving down in Florida have uh, families there um, and a little bit more of a routine. I think that that's so important. Yeah, and yeah, it'll be interesting sure. too because when these two teams play, for history it says that usually it's the visiting team that I think struggles a little bit here. But they're going to be playing on, on a neutral ground I, in, in a way in Florida. I guess it'll be technically Toronto FC's home. But I want to see how that plays out because aside from last season, usually the home side has, has dominated this fixture in the past. So it'll be kind of a, a neutral ground where these two teams and just go at it. And I'm interested because Montreal, they showed well for the Canadian side. And I want to see Vancouver, they showed well in the first, you know, their first match. I want to see if they can keep that up. And it'll be a good testament to where Canada soccer is heading. For sure. I think uh, I, I love the fact that there's no turf in Vancouver too. I, I, I was I was just rubbing my knees watching that game at Rio <laughs> for for the players, and maybe from some of our senior players at TFC. I know it's our home game, not having to go to that turf at, at, at BMO Place will be good. Yeah, yeah but I guess one more one more before we go up. Oh. It's not really a question, more of a comment. I guess it is a little bit of a question. How much do you still think of that goal that you scored against the Vancouver Whitecats for TFC there? <laughs> that injury time winner? Because we put it out on our social and, you know, it always gets some good feedback. Do you ever, you know, go back and watch that just for the memories? A hundred percent. I watched it this morning. <laughs> so, uh, uh, He's got it on a digital uh, photo frame when he leaves oh, his house. Okay, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... If you ever want to learn the heart of former players, just talk about their career. Um, no, it's fun. Uh, it was, you know, how it played out uh, coming to Toronto was, was it was tough to leave Vancouver. And then, uh, you know, there was no spite to it, but it was, uh, you love to score against your old teammate and emotion took over and it was tough times in Toronto. And I think I kept on running on my own <laughs> all the way to King Street, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun and uh yeah it's uh i remember being in the hot tub after or the cold tub sorry cooling down and it was uh just sharing a nice moment with uh danny cooperman who, who knows how much it meant to me at the time so it's uh yeah it's always amazing fun. especially when you don't score follow up to that because uh you mentioned running to king street i've always wondered because you had a bit of a a knack for running into the stands. I know when you scored for Canada, that one screamer, and, and again for Vancouver. Were you thinking of running into the stands and realizing you were on a yellow card? I did, because I started to put my shirt over. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. The jersey was too small, and then I remember I was on a yellow card. And, uh, a so it's a good thing you had a tight kit, or you would have been chucked from the game, right? It was that, yeah, um, yeah. But it's, uh, it's funny. I, I don't know if I've told said this before. I actually said to Danny Kubermans at the time in his ear, I don't know if you can see it, you go be the hero. I'll set a pick on your guy, and you go score at the near post. But I was way too excited. <laughs> I turn around, and it's in the top corner. So, so it's more of the quality of Thornton Springs is cross, and then – I claimed it like that. <laughs> oh man, great finish! Great finish, yeah. Terry. Great finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. You've been more than generous with your time, uh, Terry. We, we really appreciate you coming on the show. My hey, you called me a former athlete. I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm in heaven. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for Terry. Getting getting me on too. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Of course, anytime. Sure. Ciao. Well, that was great. I, I was pretty happy to uh, – I've always wondered that because, you know, I've watched that clip as Terry has a bunch of times because that was one of the the lone bright moments from, you know, that that slew of terrible seasons was was Terry Dunfield's late goal against Vancouver in that game. But, yeah, that, that <laughs> some great stories from Terry yeah. there. And we had, that was awesome. like to have people like that on. We had Julian de Guzman on a bit like earlier, I guess a couple episodes ago. And – 
he was talking about how, how much he was struggling a bit there at TFC. And funny enough, the guy that was sort of making him struggle a bit and get some playing time is, was Terry Dunfield. Terry Dunfield was <laughs> the go. one taking his position in the center of the park. So it's funny enough how that stuff like that just comes full circle. And as you guys saw, just top shelf analysis from Terry. Um, great insight. And we're happy that he's on all the broadcasts too because mm -hmm. the stuff that he can offer is just is great. Great, great, great insight. Yeah, it's nice yeah. to have him taking care of the young guns. Uh, you, you know, it's uh, uh -huh. it's a match made in heaven, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Let's talk about uh, some news that broke. You know, shortly before this show, uh, Bill Manning talking to Andy Petrillo of One Soccer, and a bunch of exciting topics there. Oh. Oh, I guess we can talk about this as well. Oh, I, I thought that's what you direction. wanted to talk but, about. No, no, <laughs> we, can, we can go. We can no, go there. Let's go in order. No, that's that's fine. Yeah, let's oh, go in order. Fine, let's, but yeah, let's let's we'll talk about the in. let's talk about the trade. Let's go in order because that happened before this. Sure, this new sure. Drop. Yeah, no, that that works as well. Um, so yeah, absolutely fantastic work from the Toronto FC social team. That goes. I need saying. that as a poster. I need um, that behind off. my head for all future shows. That's too fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, Toronto FC making a trade, acquiring some general allocation money, $225,000 worth. That's not right. Yeah, no. That's no, not, that's yeah. You're good. No, yeah, you're good. It? Yeah. Okay. That seems, um, that seems tiny because of, of, of uh, the, the Nick Haglin trade. I thought all GAM came in multiples of 600K, but all right, cool. Right, yeah. Uh, acquiring an international or sending an international roster spot to FC Dallas for the rest of the season. Um Curtis <laughs> money bags Tifo. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a simple trade. Obviously, they they weren't going to use that spot for this season, so that gives them some some space to work with. Yeah, I think it's a, a fantastic trade for Toronto FC for, for a couple of reasons. Um, first, of course, it's it's their they're showing their intent to play their their homegrown players. We talked about it with Terry. There's twelve homegrown players on this roster which i'd be surprised if that wasn't top of the league or at least like near the top of the league because that's just outstanding definitely a different uh, bit of a culture shift from where it's been in the past and we're also seeing these homegrown players come in and make a difference so i like how they're you know they're training away that international roster spot for for the money because they are also tied up against the salary cap the salary budget and Ali Curtis has voiced that in the past, how it's hard for him to make moves because of how close they are to salary budget. And now you add 225000 to that, which is a significant amount of money. I mean, that uh, full-on max contract, I guess let's call it, in MLS, comes with a cap hit of around 610000 So See? you're getting everything $600,000, I told you. <laughs> so you're getting close <laughs> to almost right. half of that that max contract, which is, again, just great financial flexibility. Um, Bill Manning has spoken, I guess he spoke to one sec. I'll get a little bit into this, but he said um, the team was honing in on a designated player, uh, one player that they, they liked and, you know, they're honing in that. But one of the challenges that they're, they're debating is do they wait until the secondary transfer window? Do they wait until when you bring in a player only half of their salary budget is charged against the cap. So instead of a $600,000 budget or charge, you get a $300,000 charge. Um, do they wait for that? Also, the flip side to that is TFC are obviously, as we've, we've witnessed, they're in the battle for the CONCACAF Champions League. Right mm -hmm. now, their, their schedule is really congested. It could arguably be, be the most congested it'll be uh, this season. Is it more important for them right now to bring in that designated player if they could, if everything, you know, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, if they can get him across the line? Does it make more sense to bring him in now? And maybe that that allocation money is a step towards that, um, acquiring him now, because now they have an extra little bit of space to add to their roster. The other way to look at this is maybe TFC go out and they get a defender, because we know at the back there are serious question marks there. And I think John Molinaro of TSC Republic, he had a great piece from, from Bill Manning. And he said that, that Manning said that TFC might look at getting a defender. So I wouldn't be surprised for them to spin this, this salary cap around and get a defender. But either way, you can get a very serviceable player with this amount of money. And you're virtually not giving up much from your roster because you were probably weren't going to use that international roster spot anyways because of the direction you're heading with these homegrown talent. So for me, it's a, it's a win-win for TFC and a great move by the club. We sold it for a year, 
so we get it back next season, right? That's that's my first question. Yeah. And how yeah. many international spots do we have? Wow, selling it for a year is worth three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> anyway, um, how many? We all our international spots are full now, so we we have no extras. Or this was I think like we have one. I think we have one extra spot. I'm not certain about that. Free money. That's fantastic, man. Yes. That's, so whatever. And yeah. There's also another tidbit to this: is that Subasa mm. Endo is very close to losing that international status, getting his permanent residency here in Canada, and he's going to likely become a, a homegrown, not a, a domestic player. Mm. Um, so he won't count as one of those international roster spots. Fanny told us at the beginning of last season that he was close to that, and he should be close to the. Uh, I guess losing that status shortly, um, and well, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> well, it's a super win. I mean, I I don't see anything negative about this. Not a thing. Yeah, exactly. It is free money there, and this circling back to Subasa, if he does lose that that, I guess, international spot, that'll be more valuable to his, you know, value on this team. Now that he's not taking up an international roster spot. He's a he's a very you know usable piece on this Toronto FC team. So uh, keep an eye out on that, and they can also use that last international spot that they have to acquire their designated player. Yeah. Right? So I'm that's expecting that's where that will that will head towards. So um, like you said, Jeff, there's no really downside to this making this move. It was just about getting the most amount of money that they could, and for one year of giving up an international roster spot, two hundred twenty five thousand coming back is that's pretty valuable. Yeah, my my first thought when I saw the the general allocation money acquisition was maybe Toronto FC were thinking about Dom Dwyer, who we know is in camp with with the club. We don't know in what capacity right now, but I'll just say I did I did that was the first thought that crossed my mind. I don't have any inside information on that, but um, I know I know Jeff isn't the biggest fan of Mister Dwyer, but I do think that he'd be a great fit for a Chris Armis system. He is got his green card. I believe so. Okay, because otherwise we just traded away a spot that we would use on him. Yeah, right. I'm not too sure about that, but to me, like, I don't even. Do we need Dom Dwyer? No. Like, does Toronto FC need a Dom Dwyer up top? Do they need another? Let's say a Patrick. Nah. Mahomes? I I I personally don't think that they necessarily. Hey, need wait! That piece. Hey, wait! We can get two Patrick Mullinses. I want two Patrick Mullinses. That would be fantastic. So, no, but uh, like, you know what I mean? Unless there's another mm-hmm. move in the works where, you know, they want to yeah. move on from a Josie Altador or an Iowa Canola. Um, I, I really don't see a need to bring in Dom Dwyer, especially if you're going to be bringing in a, a, a designated player that's an attacking player. It just, to me, that'll be a, a surplus of resources there up front. And this team still has needs, especially at, at, at the on the back line with their center backs and their full backs. So uh, that'll be a little bit of a head scratcher if TSC decide to use the, their remaining cap space on Dom Dwyer. Mitch yep. wants Dom Dwyer. <laughs> I do want Dom Dwyer. <laughs> there are many, many Vancouver Whitecaps defenders who can tell you why you do not want Dom Dwyer high pressing your team. But <laughs> but no, I digress. You know, I mean, you know, honestly, I, if you if you rate him, I, I've learned not to to not to to go against Mitch's uh, tactical ratings. Uh, I'm not going to like it, but if he you know if he scores twelve, then I am. So uh, you know, bring on bring on the Dwyer. Yeah. The return of the Kyle Laren has brought me a lot of brownie points. <laughs> <laughs> it really, Mitch, it and, really, really, really has. And, <laughs> that's really funny. And Dom Dwyer is also coming off a serious knee injury. Um, I think he missed the most <laughs> last season. So he'll fit right no, in. Nah, yeah, 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 fit right, fit right in. in but <laughs> but on the, the bench, watching the game occasionally. B, could they get him for like a league the- minimum? You know, mm-hmm. if they comes in like that, then that's a no-brainer. Add some quality like that to your roster that doesn't really cost you much. Can they get him for something really cheap? If so, again, I think that's a no-brainer. But if he's going to be eating up a, a bit of cap space, this team doesn't have it. It doesn't have it to have the luxury of carrying a Dom Dwyer. I mean, if we got him on a Richie, you know, if he's willing to come in for the league minimum just to... Because he doesn't have... A, he's a man without a club right now. So, mm-hmm. you know... If we could get him on that on that Orlando cast off discount, which we seem to be diving into on a regular basis, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. I just think he's annoying and I hate his body language. But you know, what do I know? 
I've only <laughs> I'm only an ex soccer player, according to Terry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's finish up by talking about the Vancouver match a, a little bit. Uh, that'll be at 3 p.m. Eastern this Saturday on TSN. Um, I think one of the big things going to this match is the, the benefit of having Florida as the home base is already paying dividends. You know, Toronto FC. We've talked at length on this show about how difficult, you know, preseason was, how difficult the stop-start nature of it was, and all the injuries that they've racked up. The fact that they don't have to travel for, like, the third game, really, in, in terms of playing pretty locally in Florida, that's that's big. That, that helps them a lot, and I think that helps them in terms of the recovery for this game against Vancouver. Uh, now, like Terry and I were talking about a little bit, Vancouver looked pretty good in their opening game. I don't think this is the Vancouver of last year. They've added some some good talent across the board, and some of their you know uh, some of their talent Prospects. didn't quite look yeah. great last year. Playing better this year, so we'll see. It's a one game sample size, and and again, they were playing a, a Portland side like Toronto FC. We're tired, but this will be an interesting one um, for sure. Yeah, I think what's what's important to point out is the turnaround after the match. Is if we were worried about the the Wednesday match, yeah, TFC Saturday, play on Tuesday. a yeah. Tuesday against Cruz Azul after that Saturday match against Vancouver. So lineup wise, if TFC <laughs> throw out a strong lineup, I will be absolutely baffled because I'll be I think, livid. Actually, I'll be I livid. Think, I mean, I think their focus again is, is on the CONCACAF Champions League, Bill Manning, again, on our show in the past, he's told us that's the one trophy that he wants to win. And I mm-hmm. think it's the one trophy at the club, and I think supporters in general can agree at this point, that's a trophy that we really want. Um, Jeff, yeah, what, you're dying to chime in there. No, 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 I was just agreeing with you. I, this mm-hmm. is a trophy I desperately, desperately want. I will accept losing 8 nothing to Montreal for a decade just to be the first uh, MLS club to lift the CCL trophy. Um my worry is on the flanks again. I mean, they got Ali Adnan. You know, he he might terrorize us uh, in the same way that that uh, uh, Montreal's wide play terrorized us. And I would really like that not to happen because I want to see some more adaptability, even at this early stage. And, and like like we've all said, free pass Mulligan on the Montreal game. Um, but but the things that worried me that we saw in the Montreal game were all could all be dumbed down to tiredness. I mean, the second phase of a lot of Montreal attacks, our guys were stone. Our defenders were stone on that. Uh, you know, when, uh, when Georgie Mahalovic uh, 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 basically took a shot from just inside the box and half of our defense were ball watching. Uh, I, I, I want to see some more adaptability. And I think that begins with a lineup that takes into account the slow turnaround and the fact that this is game two I mean, what's Agarakeche up to? Does he want to come back on a four-day contract? Because this is a this is a perfect game to trot him out again. Uh, I don't, re- you know, free Liam Frazier, uh, striker Jacob Schaffelberg. Let's see it all. Yeah, I Liam Frazier is a great point. I really want to see Liam Frazier in this game because I actually thought in his late cameo against Montreal, that's some of the best we've seen of him. We know he's a great presser of the ball, and I thought late in that game, his passing range was on point too. And let's not forget, he got cast off a little bit by the Vancouver Whitecaps Academy. And I know for a fact he still has a little bit of bitterness about that. So I'm here for a Liam Frazier revenge game. And again, given the the amount of time that all of Toronto's other midfielders have spent on the field, and we know some of them are coming back from injury as well, uh, I'd you know I'd sit a couple of guys and, and have Liam Frazier out there. Yeah, 100%. there's a, a bunch of players in, the, in that sort of mix right now that could definitely find their way in, into the team um i'd like to see uh, some subas endo get some minutes i'd like to see of course Jaden nelson get some minutes could we see a little bit more of a look at jordan perusa which shout out to him he came on for his mls debut last match um yeah i mean why not why not at this point with with the turnaround three days later it just if if liam's gonna get in if jane's gonna get in, if some of these kids are gonna get in now's the game to do it before 100 you know, you have starting to have more rested players and you have those choices become tougher. But no Mullins. We're saving Conca Mullins for Conca Chaos. <laughs> All right. Conca Mullins is the best Mullins and we got to keep him fresh to terrorize Cruz Azul. So no Mullins. I want to know. No I want to know if that Patrick Mullins coming off at halftime, I didn't, I didn't find out about this, but I want to know if that was a little bit of an injury related. 
kind of substitution. Obviously, he had to make some tactical adjustments, but he brought on Perusa, who really kind of offered the similar sort of thing that Mullins Very similar. Offered, right? Very they didn't similar. play a completely drastic role. We didn't see Perusa shift off to either side. Um, they really both stayed central. And I want to know, because Mullins came off at halftime, uh, perhaps that was a little bit of a knock that he picked up, but I don't want to speculate too much. I mean, we don't even have to speculate. The answer is always yes. I mean, at this point, <laughs> <laughs> it's just what got injured. It's not, is he injured? Of course he's injured. It's everybody on the team's injured, but it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's what's the and, prognosis and when does it come back? And that's, mm-hmm. that's true too. I mean, if their TFC aren't going to give us the information, if they've been really tight lipped about their injuries this season, then we will speculate because what, what else all do we sign, have to go off? <laughs> all signs point to stretchers, my friend. All signs point to stretchers. Um, Especially again, to, Well, to point, to go back to, to Ryan's absolutely terrific article. I mean, he, he straight up compared TFC to Liverpool first year Klopp took over. Right. And, and, you know, that coming off of Brendan Rogers, it's, it's very, very similar to what we're facing right now. Brendan Rogers was a slow uh, uh, tactical uh, uh, kind of possession heavy uh, uh, system and Klopp was, you know, heavy metal scorpions football. So, uh, and, and how, what, what member of Liverpool wasn't injured in 2015 when Klopp took over? It was crazy. I mean, they were, go- they were going down like dominoes. So recent history suggests we're going to get a lot more of this. Um, so, you know, buckle up, uh, especially, you know, with, with the training being what it is. And let's not forget, Florida sucks. <laughs> so, you know, these guys are going to be sweating out their body weight in the first 20 minutes that they're out there. Um, and then I heard something else, and, and I don't know enough details, but I did hear this for the first time this week, that not all of our training staff is there and that there's a lot of Zoom conversations where, you know, you're looking at spreadsheets and stuff like that, but the players aren't really getting one-on-one sessions with the with the entirety of our training staff. That That's, that's a concern as well. Um, and again, you know, let's let's confirm or deny it. I could be talking out of my bum bum, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I did I did see it. Uh, so yeah, uh, but yeah, I, just just to circle back, I think the Vancouver game is a is a is an Agar Kache special, a Houston uh, twenty eighteen. Let's hope it doesn't go five nil. But if it does, are we that upset about it? I want Cruz Azul. Well, even so, I don't think this team has what it takes to, to lose a match five, nothing like, Oh you know, my God. Hold oh on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> I don't think this team, like clipping that the, in the, Vancouver the right starting now. point, the starting point, at least going into that match at when they played played Houston, everyone was like, Oh no, like this is going to go horribly wrong. If you mm-hmm. put out TFC's young guns and some of their Luke Singh at the back, there's a chance that we win that game still. And I think that's just a testament to how far the academy's come in just two, three years. Because Fair point. when you're looking back at that Houston game, you call it like the Agri Ketcha game, that, that's not a winnable game by any means. You, I still think TFC's young guns, if you play them this season, like, they can win games in this league. I really do mm-hmm. believe that. Yeah, good uh, we'll, point being uh, made. Sorry, yeah, I was going to get to that yeah. as well. A good point being made about the five subs, which I actually think will be critical this year for Toronto FC in terms of their their pressing style and also something that Armis has been using to, you know, a way that we didn't really see Greg Vanny use certainly in the past. Um, and he's going to have to, I think. He's he's going to have to really reach into the depth of his squad and, and we're going to see a lot of, you know, mid-game tactical adjustments just because he's going to have guys run, you know, their butts off for 45 minutes and then, and then obviously they're going to get tired. So I think we'll see the five subs used a lot. And for for this year especially, I think it's a massive help for Armas and Tron FC. Does that I love five subs. I, I want I want it forever. I want it. I want to give five subs a forever home. I mean, when you look, it, because honestly, like the benches, you know, MLS we don't really have the kind of depth that Europe has. But you know, how is this a bad thing? I mean, when when a team comes up with a bench that would slaughter the the, the starting eleven in most other leagues and and now you get a chance to see two more of them i just i like it i really do yeah and hey we're, we'll talk about this a lot more on tuesday because we have a pregame show for that chris's old match um oh, but sweet. this up, this upcoming saturday does that mean we get to see more jaquil marsha rudy i hope so 
If that's the case, man, <laughs> sign me up. Like, give me front row. <laughs> I've been dying to see more of this kid because, man, everything that I've heard, everything that I've seen so far, I've just been thoroughly impressed, and I just want to see more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I like that sure. nickname, it, Jack. Jack's a good nickname. Mm-hmm. It is a good nickname, yeah. yeah. And again, like uh, this, this game is no different. The thing that always impresses me about Jaquil Marshall Ruti is not, you know, the the wild dri- dribbling ability or anything like that, right? Like he obviously has that natural talent, but it's the smart little pass to Richie where there's that separation created, right? Like Richie, it, it allows Richie to make that turn because it's in the perfect spot away from the defender. It's the subtle movement. Like, this guy understands the game like no 16-year-old I've ever seen in Canadian soccer. Except for me when I was 16. (laughs) Right. Yeah. All the McDoubles that you were getting uh, as rewards for (laughs) your great tactical nuance. But, yeah, I I just – you don't usually see that. Like, you don't usually see players of his age dominate a game with their soccer intelligence. It's usually – you know, just either they're physically bigger than the other kids or they have some kind of skills that set them apart. And obviously, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean they're they're going to go anywhere. So, yeah, I, again, just so impressed by Jaquil Marshall Ruti. And I think we're going to see a decent amount of him this season. Yeah, Chris Armour said that he Chris Armour said that he earned those minutes. Um, it wasn't just given to him. So that's a really good point there. I think we will see more of Jaquil Marshall Ruti. Like, I think Armour said he earned those minutes in training. So... Um, again, like I'm super excited to see what we're going to see out of him. And there was a play on, on, on Saturday, I guess this is the last match was he, <laughs> that's awesome. Brady JPN's great at the JMR, <laughs> but there was a play on Saturday where Jaquil picked up the ball on the, on the right side of the field from our angle. Um, and he connected with about three or four of his players. Um, he might've beaten a guy through it too. And he ended up, I guess, in the middle of the park and then he ended up on the left side and then he ended up moving forward. Um, And he just found those spaces quicker than any of his Toronto FC's teammates found those spaces. He knew where, where the the ball should have been played. um, If you know, everyone was sort of on the same page and if everyone was on Jaquil's page, that would have looked absolutely magical. Um, After that play didn't, you know, come to fruition instead of sort of just, you know, going straight to his position he found another pocket of space between the the striker and and the right midfield, which was Richie Larea stepping up at the time. He found another pocket of space there. Um, And so some of the runs he makes just so intelligent, instead of going straight down the line all the time, he's waiting till the exact right time. And then you cut across the defender, you cut inside and you give them a different lane to kind of run through. And again, like in MLS, we don't really see those intricacies. We don't see that that level of thinking, that level of thought process, just mm-hmm. the little things that he does. He, and he's also just so, as Terry said, he's so solid, so technical. He doesn't look like he's going to miss a pass. He always looks like his touch is going to be sure. Um, so, yeah, man, just so many reasons why I'm so hyped about this kid. I think it's impossible for the for, for the veterans on TFC to get on Jack's page because it would be a TikTok homepage and it would be totally esoteric. The kid's yeah. 16 years old. There's, yeah. no, there's no way they're going to understand his page, so to speak. Also, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's what what are we going to call Richie's uh, super move? His finishing move that that dancey step over thing that's just so delightful. Does it have Does it have a technical name or is, do we get to name it? All you, Jeff. You know you're the yeah, name person yeah. here. Jeez, this guy comes up with all of our uh, show titles. They don't even know what I'm talking ones. about right now. Mitchell was raving about it. This that move that he does, where he does like a little spinorama around the guy. Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. In. It's it's the it's the move that uh, we've seen it. We saw it twice against Club Leon, and we've also seen it against or on that goal he scored against CF Montreal, where he, it's devastating. Yeah, he uses his body to separate himself from the ball and or separate himself from the opposing player and shield the ball. And then he just turns the guy the opposite way the guy's going. And again, I mean, it's, it's another thing Richie has in the locker and why he's looked so dangerous this season is he can just beat players so simply like that. It's such a simple move, but so incredibly effective. Yeah. Yeah. He's not all just pace. Like uh, everyone knows Richie Larea for how fast he is, how well he can dribble, but that's just a test to how strong he is too. And, People say that, you know, Richie Larea can't play in tight areas. He can't make decisions like on the European level that, that, 
you know, some of these other guys can. I think he's showing that he can. He can keep the ball under pressure. And again, in MLS, if, if you're able to do that, you're going to do well in this league and let alone his uh, his physical attributes that he's, he can bring yeah, to the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of Robin. I mean, that, that same move, like you knew he was always going to cut in and take a shot from just at the tip of the box. No, everybody knew it. You could game plan around it. It did not matter. He was still going to score on you. So, you know, that that's a that's a really nice thing to have. I, I'm a big fan of Richie. Yeah. All right, gents. We're episode 40. We're about Holy 40 crap. minutes over. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, what's going on? We see you there in the comments. Uh, yeah. Let's, Bye, let's wrap things up we'll here. See, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 40, 40th episode in the books. Uh, obviously, huge thank you to everyone who continues. Hey, to we can get our vaccine now. possible every week. Oh yeah, yeah, we're over forty. Yeah, Let's 40. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do do get your vaccine though if you're over forty. Obviously, yeah, get booking, get out there, get vaccinated. Um, thank you to the whole crew though that makes this possible. Kevin, Sophia, Edwin, doing behind the scenes stuff. Thank you to Terry Dunfield for coming on today's show. That was an awesome chat. Uh, of course, all of you for listening and interacting throughout. Uh, make sure you guys check out the new post game show as well. That uh, mostly Jeff and Michael will be doing. We'll have a revolving number of casts hopefully i'll get myself on there a couple of times as well but yeah, yeah, yeah around 30 minutes after the final whistle of every toronto fc game we'll be going live giving you instant reactions and thoughts on the post-game press conference playing more so stay tuned to the waking red and footy talk socials for that till next tuesday have a great week everyone ciao